0: He won four world titles, 53 races and millions of fans. Under the lights in Abu Dhabi, on the track where he achieved his dream of becoming Formula One world champion, Sebastian Vettel will race the final laps of his dazzling career. I thought about this
1: so much and it feels so right that I'm not scared of Abu Dhabi. I know the adrenaline rush will be different, very different and will be gone. And that makes me sad. But it's a trade for something different and something very exciting.
0: Since his debut in 2007, we've known Vettel the wunderkind, the victor, the vanquished and the veteran. There's so much for him to look back on and to look forward to. For me, it's been about
1: winning and it's what I enjoyed most. Wanted to beat the others. Got angry when I didn't. Being ambitious, trying to push limits. You can also challenge in different ways other than in a car. And that's what I'm
0: hopefully going to explore. I'm Tom Clarkson and welcome to a very special F1B on the Grid with Sebastian Vettel. In a final in-depth conversation before his last Grand Prix, Sebastian talks about the wins and losses that shaped him, his heroes and rivals who are now his friends, his family, his fans, his future, and much, much more, I hope you enjoy it Sebastian, we're almost there. the final act of your Formula One story. How are you feeling about it
1: well i feel I feel good i don't know um, it's uh, you know obviously you could argue uh, it's a countdown from when the decision was made, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the races that I was, was looking forward to the last races and uh, looking forward to the last one. But um, I'm not um, building up super high expectations just because it is the final one. Um, so just uh, trying to enjoy.
0: How has your attitude to Formula One changed since the announcement? Have you been even more trying to extract the maximum from each moment? I
1: think I just felt a big relief because the decision is a very big one, obviously um, a life-changing one to me, and um, one that I was, yeah, that was in my head and growing inside me for uh, a very long time. So, um, you know, obviously you can imagine a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, my wife and um, with myself as well, (laughs) um, trying to initially understand that voice that was creeping up and, you know, maybe giving me uh, an idea that uh, it's time to move on but um, initially pushed it away and then it's kept, it kept growing. So it's been confusing at the beginning and then it's been a, a progress I would say and yeah. So once the decision was made and it was out, then uh, it was quite a relief and I think I was able to enjoy the, the time in the car a bit more because I didn't have you know these thoughts and um, to think about uh, whether I will really do it or not um, anymore.
0: How long were you pushing it away?
1: to try and understand, I think initially it grows inside you. And um, like I said, it was a bit confusing because I never had that before. You know, the desire to maybe stay at home, uh, not go on the plane, not looking forward to travel. Obviously, uh, you know, there's part of the jobs that you enjoy a lot and other parts that you enjoy a bit less. But after such a long time and after, you know, also let's be honest, my life has also changed in a way. I have, you know, three kids at home and uh, I really enjoy that part of life. And uh, they are growing. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, some years back that uh, the first thoughts were popping up. And um, obviously after the uh, change from uh, Ferrari to Aston Martin, at that time, it was the first time where I really thought, uh, you know, it might be time to stop or it might be my final contract, uh, my final couple of years, one, two, three, four, who knows, but my final, let's say, period in Formula One. Um, so, uh, yeah, around that time and obviously since then, um, lots of thoughts, and that voice just kept growing. And yeah, I'm fairly analytical, so I've tried to take it apart as much as I can, put it back together, taking it apart. So um, yeah, it it uh, it did take quite some time, but um, on the other hand, it's also a very big decision. So I'm happy that uh, you know I had these two years. I'm happy that uh, um, yeah I've been thinking about it for a long time and tried to look at it from all angles and try to imagine all sort of scenarios. Beforehand, even though time will only tell whether um, and how I will will get on, but I'm sure life goes on, so I'll manage somehow.
0: F1 people become institutionalized because the sport engulfs us, doesn't give us any time to think outside. How scary is the prospect of life without Formula One?
1: Well, it's unknown, that's how I feel. But to be honest, I I completely understand what you mean. I think uh, it is a It's a fantastic world and a world that can suck you in and uh, you can stay in for ever sort of thing obviously i can't be driving forever but um to be honest maybe i've always been a little bit different to a degree that i i didn't depend on it and i didn't identify let's say outside the races as somebody who is in formula one i mean I am a racing driver, yes, but uh, you know, when I got home, I, I really enjoyed the bits of life that everybody is able to enjoy. There's always been more to life and always more to see than just the racing world, which obviously has consumed me and I'm, I've been obsessed with it for most of my life. I'm sad to not have the adrenaline rush anymore, sad to not have the competition, uh, that feeling to push myself, the car, the elements to the limit. But uh, I'm looking forward to what's next. So I can't give you an answer exactly on what's next. I have plenty of ideas, things that I would like to try. But um, yeah, I'm also very curious to get to know myself in this regard and give that part of me more room.
0: How are you going to fill those voids? You've just talked about you being a naturally competitive person, the adrenaline side of what you do.
1: Then isn't that something that we, as in all drivers and all sports, women, sportsmen, are facing at some point? Just that thought gives me quite a bit of rest, as in it will catch us all, whether we choose to or whether um, it's chosen from outside. Uh, No matter the circumstances, I think there's a, a time for an athlete to... Move on and do something else. But I think this, uh, you know, being ambitious, trying to push limits, you can also challenge in different ways other than in a car. Now, I don't have the expectation that I'll do something else and be amongst the best in the world. Uh, I think that would be far fetched and uh, the wrong sort of approach. But uh, I do think that, you know, the general approach and uh, the ambition can also show in other things. And that's what I'm hopefully going to explore with uh, you know, time and um, room to, to give all these things that I maybe you know, got to know and got to enjoy outside Formula One as
0: well. So do you think you can be as good at something else in life as good as you were at being a racing driver? I
1: think it would be, um, <laughs> I, I don't expect to, let's put it this way, you never know. But uh, I, I think it would be a miracle if I was, because obviously I've done this my entire life. Uh, I haven't had much time to do it, much else. Um, I have no degree. <laughs> so I cannot expect myself, and I think it would be wrong, the wrong approach to uh, you know, say that, yeah, I'm a champion, I'm going to be a champion in everything else that I touch. I think uh, that's not a realistic approach for me, at least not. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, whatever it is, then I'm starting from scratch. But uh, I think the ambition is natural. You have it as a competitor and uh, it can show on other things. But I, I I don't expect to make the news,
0: if you see what I mean. Might you go back to uni?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's also an option. Definitely. There's, I think there's so much to learn. Um, so uh, there's plenty of, of things that, like I say, I'm interested in and I would love to give room. And at the minute, I'm just trying to keep an empty schedule because I don't want to commit to anything to yeah to as I said, to um, let that side of me come out and curious to to learn about myself. I might feel horrible, I might feel, I go through a phase where uh, it 's really, really difficult, um, but like I said it 's coming at some point anyway, sooner or later, and it feels like the right time. Um, like I said, I have three kids at home, I really enjoy that, and I want to see them grow as well, because obviously you know this this job comes with a big commitment, and the way I know got to know the job, and I do the job is. It's it's full on, so um, it would feel wrong to do it some sort of halfway just to be part of it or just to be a Formula One driver. I love winning. I love the competition. And to win, you need to do everything. Uh, That's my conviction. If you're not prepared to do everything anymore, then it's time to make room for others.
0: You want to see the kids grow. Do you want to see them race?
1: I don't know. It's, I think it's for them to to uh, decide. I think we'll probably go out and do some go karting or racing for fun. Just you know, I've it taught me so much, not just in terms of skills driving, but so much about life. And it's enjoyable. I you know, it's a great feeling. So if they like it, then you know, um, I, I it sounds so um, empty, but I just want them to be happy, whatever they choose to do. I have no expectations. I don't want my children to go to university and, you know, get a degree and become something really special. I want them to be happy, and if I we can assist them in doing that, what they love, then I think that's a, that's a great purpose to have. And at the same time, I feel there's so much I can learn with them. You know, it's not I'm not going to live their lives because uh, I didn't want my father, my mother, my parents to live my life. Um, I think we all uh, you need to live our lives, but. Um, yeah, if I can help and assist here and there, and that's fine, especially at that age. And at some point for me, it's time to move over and let them do their own thing.
0: Let's look at the stats. You're the third most successful driver in the history of Formula One behind Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. Those four world titles, 53 wins, 57 polls. Are those numbers a fair reflection of your talent, your speed, your commitment?
1: Yeah, I'd hope so. I think um, it's probably hard to judge in terms of who is the best. It's easy with the stats, but in terms of how we drive and what our strengths and weaknesses are, I think it's very difficult. But um, yeah, I think everything needs to come together as well. Obviously, um, you know, I've worked with great teams, great people, had a blast. And um, yeah, obviously, I'm able to choose from many races. If you ask me which one might have been the best, for example, um, lots of highlights. Um, so... Yeah. Could it be more? Probably. It could be more. Could it be less? Could also be less. But I don't think that's just valid for me. I think that's valid also for, for other great names that
0: might be on your list. Go on, answer your own question there. Best win? I don't know.
1: I mean, obviously, the first one stands out always because it's the first one. Um, also, the circumstances were unique. But then there were many races uh, that were, you know, great as well. Um, but also races that maybe I didn't win and uh, um, they felt great as well. So... Yeah, um, obviously, like I said, for me, it's been about winning and it's what I enjoyed most. And uh, it's why I've been, you know, in the sport from a young age. I always wanted to beat the others. Uh, got angry when I didn't. Um, I think I, yeah, got to know myself um, and that side of my, uh, my competitiveness that I can't always win, obviously. Um, and sometimes others are just doing a better job or deserve more to win than than I did. But yeah, um, I think you grow as a man, as a competitor, and um, I'm very uh, happy with the achievements I made. For me, it was always my biggest uh, sort of dream to win the World Championship after the first one. It was a massive relief.
0: Thank you, boy. Unbelievable. Thank you, I love you. Sebastian Vettel, you are the world champion, the world champion, well done, enjoy it. You are the man. Was that the most satisfying one?
1: Yeah, it was because it's again the first one and it was such a milestone, plus it was, you know, that sort of pressure. Uh, Once you win a race, then you have that sort of expectation that, yeah, now you need to do it more consistent and win more often to win the championship. And once that was off my shoulders, it was a a great feeling and then I was just hungry for more.
0: And you talked about the anger, the frustration when you didn't win. How did that manifest itself?
1: Well, I think as a child, I was just uh, angry, upset, um, hard to talk to. Uh, I got into uh, like little fights with my father, who was my mechanic when I was at go karts. Yeah, it it never lasted a very long time. I have to say I always turned the page fairly quickly, but initially just uh, angry with myself but also wondering what I missed and what I could do better and uh, channeling in it into something positive. And obviously later on, working with you know more experienced people and lots of engineers, you try to obviously understand and analyze why. And you know I've, I've, um, I think I've always liked the rational approach, uh, why things happened and what we can do about them next time to to learn and make sure that you don't sort of lose again <laughs> yeah haven't managed to uh, you know completely get it but uh, i think it's been okay
0: now, a lot of your success was front loaded all four titles 39 of the 53 wins coming in the first six years in formula one did that create an unrealistic level of expectation in your mind
1: no not really i i don't think so i mean i i didn't count myself as in you know, now it's year five and it's better than year four and now it's year six or year eight. I don't know. So I never looked at it that way. I think you, you understand also after a couple of years um, that, uh, especially let's say after, I don't know, after the 2010 to 13 wave and then the 14 sort of hole where I didn't win, I think I didn't win a race. And, uh, you know, you were happy then after some races to be back on the podium because you haven't been for a while. So it changed the. It, it just ch- it's normal. It changes your 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 view on on things. Whereas if you're you know at the front and winning all the time, top three, then being second and third, you are not happy or pleased with yourself. Um, so then the years with Ferrari, they were a bit up and down, but uh, overall still at the front. You could argue the last two years, in a way, were taught me a lot. Not being able to win races because the car wasn't good enough, and uh, you know that's the nature of our sport, which If you are at the front, you sort of ignore because it just doesn't touch you. And there's probably other names, um, you know, when you always spin in a very competitive kind at the front, then you don't see what's happening in the back. But the efforts by the teams and the drivers are probably as high. Um, The push is as high, but nobody mentions it and um, just less light, less focus. But uh, it taught me a lot in terms of, um, you know, understanding that if things don't go that way and they might have as well, in the bigger picture, then uh, it would have been a very different sort of time spent in Formula One and different expectations. So I think it always depends where you are hovering around the grid. Now I also believe you can fight your way up and and uh, you deserve the place at the front, but you know it's also true that the guys that are in P10 or P12, P15, they're no idiots and they would be winning races if they were in the right car. So that's where it would be nice to see in the future maybe if our sport was coming a little bit closer together so that we see more drivers at the front battling for podiums and and wins
0: 2014 aside those Red Bull years were so good so much success you were just riding this wave do you perhaps now appreciate what you had at Red Bull more than you did at the time
1: I think there's time there's a time for everything you know like I said you don't finish on the podium for I don't know 10 races and the race you finish back on the podium, it feels amazing. Even though it might only be a second or third and not a win. Uh, You win 10 races in a row, you finish second or third, it feels like coming short. You know, you will never get to a point where I think you forget about uh, what's happening in the moment and looking at the bigger picture, as in, imagine what you think if, you know, you look back in 10 years' time. Um, So yeah, did I enjoy the races that I win enough? I think so. I think, you know, I could have celebrated more. But then I was very quickly in the mode of winning the next one, which I think is a big contributor of why I probably won so many. Um, not letting yourself go in the, in the moment too much and not losing the focus. But then again, we're all different. Everybody has a different approach. And I think that's, that's fair. You know, my approach probably wouldn't work for others and others
0: wouldn't work for me. Sebastian, when were you happiest? At Toro Rosso, at Red Bull, at Ferrari or Aston Martin?
1: I don't remember exactly how I felt 10 years ago. Um, obviously, I, I love winning. I won, you can argue I was happy, but I think, um, yeah, probably I'm um, very happy now. I wouldn't go back in time. I'm very happy where I am uh, in life today. Racing, but also outside racing, um, gives me a, a lot of joy. And um, yeah, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I wouldn't go back and say, "Oh, I'll break earlier here or avoid that mistake. Um, even if it was an obvious one. But I don't think, in, I think in the bigger picture, also the moments that were really difficult or maybe stupid taught me something in the end and brought me to where I am today. So I don't know, I don't live in the past. I also, um, I probably don't live in the present enough. I probably spend quite a while in the future thinking of tomorrow, of what we can do better, and uh, how we can make the car faster and so on. I hope it stays that way, that I'm not, uh, you know, hanging hanging in the, in the past.
0: It's interesting though that you say professional happiness isn't directly linked to success on track.
1: Yeah, maybe it's something that comes with age or maybe something with uh, you know, the, the experience that um, obviously there's been a couple of years now where I didn't have the ultimate success on track um, to realize. But also I feel very strongly going forward that I need to be happy with where I am today, saying that I'm quitting and I want to do something else. Whether I win my last race, win the last championship in the final year, or haven't won a championship now for so many years, I think ultimately only matters to me. So for sure from the outside is a nice story if you can say, ah, oh, he's won on his last race or he's winning the championship and then he's stepping aside. But then it's still you that have, has, to, has to cope with it. And uh, for me, I'm happy where, where I am today. I'm not, I don't build up that whole picture of the last race, the last time. Of course, it will be uh, emotional, but whether I finish first, which I think is unlikely, but whether I finish first or I might uh, not even finish that race, ultimately, it doesn't change the, you know the, the, the amazing time that I had in all these years. And um, shouldn't change going forward, uh, my perception of, of all these years.
0: Who do you owe the most to in Formula One? What do you mean? Is there one person who stands out without whom none of this would have happened or the success wouldn't have been as extreme as it yeah. was?
1: I think my wife. The, the sort of strength that she gave me in all, through all that time. I mean, we've been together since forever, uh, since I left school <laughs> and she left school. So um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, f- the correct answer and the, and the fair and the right answer. Also because, you know, Formula One life is very intense. We have a busy schedule, a lot of races, lots of things to do. And I think it's very consuming mentally, but to um, love another person so much to, uh, you know, put yourself second in a way and uh, give all the support you can over, su- over such a long time. In all honesty, I love her very, very much, but I don't know if I would have been or would, would be strong enough to, to do something like that. So for sure, I could name a lot of people now that helped me to get a seat and made, 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 made my racing possible. But um, I think deep down, you know, a lot of, I feel a lot of drivers have a lot of talent. We're all a bit different, but that's good. But uh, I think in the end, it boils down to just being in peace with yourself, being happy in your life and being able to extract that talent when it matters. Keep your nerves together when it matters. And it's got a lot to do with balance in, in life. And life is bigger than those laps that you see on the on the track. So I think the answer, the correct answer here is my wife.
0: That's a lovely response. How has... Hannah helped you away from the track is it those low moments where she helps build you back up or
1: oh, there's so much i think she's always been there you know always been uh, supportive i mean we um, obviously talk a lot to each other and about everything so uh, yeah it's it's all those moments that are not glorious it's all those moments that uh, you'd think they are not important but i think there's a lot of them and um they they do matter so she kept me sane <laughs> Um, yeah, looked after me and, and uh, gave me the support so that I never felt alone, if you see what I mean, so um, and, and, f- and felt loved. I think that's generally a, a great feeling to, to have. So it's hard to give you an example and say that she's been there and I, I was down and then she's, you know, doing, she's, been, she's been doing this and that and to pick me up and bought me some chocolate or something like this. I think that's, you know, there's been these moments as well, but I think uh, overall it's... Um, Yeah, there's much more to it.
0: And does it help that she knew you before you became a megastar?
1: Well, I I think she's just the best person in this world and I think she's the best person I can possibly be with. So um, I I don't know. I'm I'm also convinced that if I had gotten to know her later, it would have still been fine. So um, I'm just happy that I met her so early. So um, I didn't spend a great time looking for her.
0: Sebastian Vettel, swerving, weaving, dancing to the checkered flag. He wins as a Ferrari driver for the first time in Formula One. Woo-hoo! Yes! Si, sí, ragazzi. Oh, mi
1: senti? Mi senti? Grazie, mille, ragazzi. Be-be. Grazie, grazie, grazie. Dai! Mor-
0: How would you sum up your five years at Ferrari?
1: Oh, I had a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, I had, uh, yeah, uh, I think I have a, a very strong uh, emotional uh, connection to Italy and, and the people of Italy and uh, to Ferrari as a brand. So uh, it was, um, you know, a very, a, a privilege to to race for Ferrari. And we had great moments together. So uh, lots of memories that I will, will keep forever and lots of friends that I made. So. Um, yeah, in terms of the numbers and statistics, I failed because my target was to win the world championship, and I didn't. Um, ultimately, Lewis and Mercedes, as a package, were too strong for us, and we we didn't beat them. But um, the more time passes, the more I'm with in peace with it, if if uh, if that makes sense. Um, just because, yeah, uh, living through the moment, I know that we've done great things. I know that we've done things also that weren't great and uh, in the end like I said there was somebody else out there that was just better in, in, at that time and deserved to win so um, we came second a couple of times but uh, yeah no regrets and uh, lots of things that I learned and I wouldn't again wouldn't go back and change anything.
0: How much did those five years take out of you emotionally?
1: Uh, it was at all as well I mean I I think it's I never felt that sort of extra pressure being a Ferrari driver um, if anything, I felt the extra pressure that I had in expectation to myself that I want to succeed in this place and I want to make this thing work. Um, so, um, you know, there's plenty of reasons why it didn't or might not have worked. But uh, in the end, um, I think I'm still very happy and in peace with what we have achieved. But sure, looking back, it was probably, um, you know, it did, uh, did take a while to sort of recover.
0: If there's one thing you could change about your time at Ferrari... What would that well, be? If you want
1: to hear something, I mean, like I said earlier, I wouldn't really change anything. But yeah, I think that moment in the gravel in Hockenheim was probably not a, <laughs> the high point.
0: Why it out of the race, Sebastian Vettel? He has been leading almost from start to finish, but now he's out of this race. F- sake. F- sake. Sorry, guys.
1: I was breaking early, but I would even break earlier, but that's, yeah. Then you still have to do the rest of the race, so you never
0: know what happens, but
1: um, other than that, uh, I, yeah.
0: I wasn't actually referring to specific incidents. Yeah. It, was, it was gonna be more, you talk about the pressure that you put on yourself, perhaps not doing that, being a little bit more chilled about it. Would that have made any difference?
1: I don't, I don't know, My, maybe. Um, what I did at the time was always trying to do the best I could. Yeah. Again, I think uh, the experience taught me a lot. And even if maybe the approach here and there was wrong and it was too, too much, or maybe I tried too hard at times, it still taught me something. So I probably would have had to learn that lesson at another point. So
0: no, no changes. (laughs) And, And that final year was so difficult. Was that the moment when you first started thinking, about stuff outside of being a race driver?
1: Yeah, already the year before to be honest, Um, but uh, yeah, I think with the um, you know, 17 we had a great car and we fell short 18, we had a great car we fell short again at the end, just both years we didn't keep the development pace up and we just fell back, Um, so we got beaten. 19 was a bit of an odd year because the start of the season wasn't let's say um to me at least not giving me us the momentum to all right here we go again so then you start to think you know what might have actually been the problem the last couple of years and maybe there were too many thoughts at the same time charles came in um not having i think being just in a very different time in his career in his life and uh it was it was funny because i could you know i watched him and uh we got along really well i think um Um, I really enjoyed uh, the the time we spent together Um, and uh, he taught me some things, not necessarily about driving, but um, yeah, it was a little bit as if I was looking at my younger self and it did take a little bit of time to understand that um, because obviously my target was not to just win a race. I've done that. My target was to win the championship and ideally win the championship the way I wanted to win the championship, which is winning many many races so uh yeah maybe i lost myself a little bit in 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 that process and maybe my races here and there weren't the finest but still i would say the lessons that i had and still i would say some of the races were pretty good were more important and um yeah then coming into the year 2020 obviously with a pandemic and it was yeah making making room for that voice that i mentioned earlier inside me to grow as well so interesting but i would just call it life and i think we all go through that one way or another i'm no exception i'm nothing special
0: now at this point you've driven for two of the three biggest teams of the era red bull and ferrari was there ever the opportunity to race for mercedes
1: i don't know maybe there was but i i I mean i spoke with nikki but to be honest i like halfway through the ferrari period um about joining, obviously, would have been a big deal because uh, Lewis was sort of their number one and then I'm not sure whether they would have liked to have us both in the team. But I, I also didn't have great interest at that time because I was so committed to Ferrari and that was my dream to make that thing work. So you talked to each other, but it wasn't like really serious.
0: Would you have relished going alongside Lewis Hamilton?
1: Yeah, I think it would have been... Uh, um, a great challenge, and I think I would have enjoyed that, but um, just wasn't meant to be. I mean, it was the... Obviously, at that time, like I said, the, the, my focus was to win with Ferrari, and that was my, my target. I didn't want to change team and win with Mercedes, if you see what I mean. Other than just winning, that I really love, it was winning with Ferrari, that was the great goal. So, uh, yeah, and then after, it just didn't, didn't happen, so... And that's, that's fine, so cool with that. But uh, I think I would have enjoyed racing with Lewis. We get along really well. I think our moment was the 2017 Baku Grand Prix where we had maybe, a, you can call it nowadays, misunderstanding. He, he brake tested me. What the f- going on? And they're still reporting it. Focus on I his I have damage, I think. Vettel literally just came alongside me and turned in and hit me. I was very upset, it was one of these moments where things didn't go my way and I was upset and maybe the emotional side did uh, take too much over. But I think actually that moment was a key moment because it could have made us step away from each other more or bring us together and it brought us together, so.
0: Because you sat down and talked about it.
1: Yeah, because we, I I mean, I reflect and I I did think about what what happened and as much as I might have felt in the moment that that is not fair, that's not right, and I wanted to show him, I wanted to tell him, but obviously we're wearing helmets and it's hard to communicate. So that was a form of communication. But I also did see that it was the wrong form and uh, it, was, uh, it was not the right way. It wasn't sportsman-like uh, and uh, not fair, which uh, I admitted afterwards and we talked to each other. And I think since that moment, we yeah, got closer to each other.
0: Can I ask you about some of the other champions that you've raced? Michael Schumacher. Would you have even embarked on a racing career if it wasn't for him?
1: I don't know, I don't think I started because of him. My father was a Senna fan and uh, watched Formula One before I was born (laughs) and before Michael was in Formula One. Um, But then obviously, you know, uh, we started uh, racing and there was a real boom in Germany. I mean, uh, in 95, after he won his uh, first championship um, in 94, uh, we had so many kids my age um, getting into racing um, and doing, you know, uh, uh, racing go-karts. I think un- unseen since then in Germany, those numbers, we had more than 100 kids trying to qualify for a race at the end. The final was with 34 four kids on the, on the start. So um, I think it was that boom as well in Germany that really hyped the whole motorsport culture and, you know, raised the bar in terms of competition and level with all these junior series racing in Germany as well um, that uh, have, have helped. But uh, I probably would have gotten into go-karting, racing, but I don't know if I, it would, I would have taken off as much. Plus, it was a massive inspiration in that age. I was never really a Senna fan because I was too young to, to understand. And Michael was always there since more or less I can remember. So it was clear that I met him then at the go-kart track as well. You know, he was shaking my hand, handing the trophy. So he was,
0: still is my hero. And those three years where you shared the same racetrack in Formula One—does even now does it feel surreal?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, the, it, it. It. I got to know him more and more. If I had not got to know him and then raced him straight away, that would have been surreal. Like that, I never felt as if it was surreal because I raced Michael the person, my friend, the person I got to know, I, I, at some point I didn't see him. I forgot sometimes that he's the Michael I admired when I was a child growing up. The same Michael, if you see what I mean, because then you get to know somebody and you see the person first before the stats, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it was just nice to, to raise him. And sometimes I had like flashbacks just of my childhood and actually realizing it's him. Um, Many times when we race together, the race of champions, because you see more of what he's doing, even though it's for fun, but still, you know, him in in a go-kart, him in any type of car. It was, for me, it was something special to witness because it just looked better than all the other drivers I've seen so far. It just, there was something else. Maybe that's just me admiring him, but I think there was also something special
0: can you elaborate on that what impressed you it's just
1: it's the the little moments you know when you stand on the track in free practice and you watched and obviously you know when I watched on television it was far away but when you start to see him live and when he was in a go-kart or like I mentioned the race of champions in some of these other cars trying to 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 wrestle the circuit there was just a, a sort of relaxedness about it when he was in the car in, or in the go-kart, control, and it just looked natural. Whereas, I haven't looked at myself from the outside, but uh, with other drivers, you always got the impression, yeah, they're fighting, fighting the car, fighting the tires, fighting the track. With Michael, he was fighting these things, but it never looked rushed. It never looked out of control. Even when he was braking too late, did a mistake, lost a lot of time, still looked like in control, so yeah, I don't know if that's just worshiping him, and because he was my childhood hero, or there was something else.
0: His work ethic was legendary, as is yours. Did you learn that of him?
1: No, I, I think maybe there are some similarities, but uh, I, I don't think it's sustainable as well. I don't think it's. I work hard because it's the right thing to do, or I work hard because it's what he or she did and he or she succeeded. I think you need to find your own way. I'm naturally interested, and obviously I, I feel extremely privileged that I've worked such a long time with you know, very intelligent people, very clever, smart people, but mostly very passionate people. F1 is a unique world that sucks you in, and I think mostly because people are very passionate. They're passionate about racing, passionate about making a car go faster, which you could argue, what's the relevance, what's the point? Maybe there is none, but we love it. And it's the passion that, that drives these people. And to work with, the, with passionate people, I think it's a great gift because it, it never felt like work. It never felt like I'm staying here to you know, work harder than the others. It felt more like I'm, I'm interested and they are giving me everything I want to know. It's more like at some point I had to say stop and say, look, I know that I need to get some rest as well. I need to get some thoughts outside this bubble uh, to then be able to perform on the next day, but um, I think working with passionate people has taught me so much, and um, it's
0: not a given. What's happening with the notebooks, by the way? Your legendary notebooks. Well, they
1: will fall. Uh, <laughs> they will. They're already a bit dusty. Uh, have you got and, them all. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah. Um, maybe when I, you know, get to a point where it's like, oh, what have I done? I will go back into my notebooks and read through them but um hopefully i will not open them again like i said before not spending too much time in the past not spending too much time in the future thinking of future notebooks but being a bit more in the here and now and uh, enjoying enjoying that but um yeah there's they, i know where they are uh, they're in the drawer and um yeah shouldn't get too much dust
0: Sebastian, I know you say you don't want to dwell on the past, but I've got this vision now of you in 20, 30 years' time trying to explain to your children, your grandchildren, what, what these <laughs> notebooks are all about, these dusty old notebooks. What's oversteer, Grandpa? Well,
1: I think first it might be hard to explain to them what a notebook is. I think, uh, you know, they are becoming a little bit out of fashion, but um, I'll keep them because I, I don't know, it would be quite harsh to throw them away. But then again, there's, you know, new...
0: Uh, notes to, to be made. So we've discussed Michael Schumacher, we've discussed uh, Lewis Hamilton. I did also want to ask you about Fernando Alonso, because uh, when you were winning everything, of course, so many of your battles were with him when he was at Ferrari. How do you reflect on that rivalry, I suppose, is the right word?
1: I, I, I think I admire him as a competitor. He's probably been the toughest one, uh, especially in these first couple of years. And we had so close battles at the end of the championships, both in 2010 and then 2012 in particular, which is still probably one of my favorite moments, memories, just the tension coming into the 2012 Brazilian Grand Prix that morning, that build up. Um, I think that for me at least, I mean, I don't know, for the people who were there, we probably more relaxed, but um, for me it was very intense. And I think both of us were very nervous i rate fernando really high as a driver i think he's um, he has got so much natural talent incredible determination um great racing instinct and all of that he hasn't lost he still you know you can see he loves he loves his racing he's very passionate as a person though i don't know him really i'd never got um i, I wouldn't say we don't get along i think we respect each other but it's it's it just never happened that we really got to know each other, spend time or uh, talk much, let's say outside, outside racing. Um, maybe we didn't have that moment like I had with Lewis <laughs> um, that brought us together. But um, yeah, uh, I think he's, you know, a great com- competitor, probably one of the most difficult I, I've ever had because he's just always there and never backs off, but also very respectful uh, when, you, when it comes to wheel-to-wheel racing and I've, I've enjoyed so much. But like I said, as a person, we probably don't have the best of relationships because we just don't know each other so so well. Maybe we are too different. Maybe there's other interests. I mean, we have racing as a common passion that excites us both. But then, uh, yeah, it just never happened that we, in all these years, uh, really got uh, got to know each other. And it's probably like in school or like in at work, you have a colleague that you respect, but you don't really know and just maybe the chemistry isn't as much as I get on with Lewis and we have stuff to just talk about and maybe some views that we share with Fernando, I might have these as well, but we just never had the chemistry to really get, get into this. So I, I think, um, despite having the same passion, big passion in our lives, we're probably two very different people. I think we are maybe, you know, now in terms of age, getting closer, the gaps always been the same, but obviously, uh, um, you know, I, I could, you could argue I'm closer to him than maybe to somebody who's coming in with 20 today. But uh, yeah, probably just two different people. And we are probably in a very different point in our lives, despite the fact that you know, we've been racing each other for so
0: long. How interesting, because I thought he might be trying to download you about everything Aston Martin. But no, there's been not even that.
1: No, and I don't think there will be. But I, I don't think, uh, I don't know, I don't think that's, it's going to happen. I mean, if he has a question, I'm happy to answer um, but uh, I don't think that will happen.
0: Just you mentioned Brazil 2012. How were you feeling after lap one when uh, you and Bruno Senna had had that that little contretemps?
1: Well, I obviously knew that that's not good.
0: Oh, oh it's, no, it's a red bull! It's a red bull! A Sebastian Vettel in the middle of track is the worst possible scenario for Sebastian Vettel who started on the second row and is now running right down at the bottom of the field and once again on the opening lap and into Lagos the championship is blown wide open.
1: Straight away turn the car around I mean even during the spin release the brakes roll down the hill I think if I had just slammed on the brakes to try not to hit anything other people would have hit me and that would have been my race and championship. So um, straight away realizing that's not good, boom. But then getting off the brakes by instinct, just rolling down the hill, trying to avoid contact because when I'm a moving target, it's easier than just a stationary one where nobody can sort of react in time. And then fight my way back. There was not a single moment where I doubted this is over. It was just, okay, this is not good. I don't know what's going to happen, but this can still be good if we just keep our heads down and race till the end. The race isn't over. I wasn't asking in the race, where's Fernando? Where's Fernando? Um, at some point I was racing him as well again in that race. But um, yeah, that was a long race just because so many things happened. It was crazy. We went to intermediates and then back to different tires. I don't know how many times um, that I actually don't remember how many pit stops, but it felt like a lot. And um, yeah. So when we then, uh, crossed the line it was big relief i was very happy and i didn't think about fernando much to be honest
0: you're the world champion you're the triple world champion sebastian vettel you are the man you're a triple world champion what about max verstappen do you see yourself in him
1: no, I, I, no, not uh, well. I, I don't. I didn't raise him like I, I didn't get to know him and race him like maybe I did with Charles. But uh, obviously, there's a ton of parallels when it comes to, you know, Red Bull with a team, the first year, the second year. But uh, I think it's a different time. I think he's a different guy. I, I think the people that work with him and probably work with me are the best ones to, to ask. Again, I think probably were quite different, but um, yeah, obviously it's incredible what he's doing and he's got an incredible talent and I think he's matured as well over the, the years. Now it's also that he's been around for quite a while. So um, yeah, I think he deserves every race that he wins.
0: This next question is so difficult to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who is the fastest driver you've ever raced?
1: That is very difficult to answer. Um, F1 is particular because you only get to really see, let's say, what's happening behind the wheel with your teammate. Um, the other drivers, now we get a lot of information data and so on and have some knowledge, but you don't really know how good their car is, how much they might adapt, how much comes their way, how much they're working for it. You just don't see all of these things. I think if, you know, on, a, on, a, on the day, um, Obviously that, you know, in terms of consistency, um, I think I've been, and I don't want to give and sound like I give myself credit, but strong in those years. But on the day, Mark, when he got his things right, it was unbelievable to witness. I don't know, like you'd pick a weekend like Nürburgring.
0: Nürburgring 2009.
1: Yeah, it was just, I ran out of things to do. And, you know, I, I, after the race, I just said, I don't know how you did it, but hats off! It was so quick, so much quicker than me. Then, obviously, you know, the, for the year after, whatever, I tried to work on Nurburgring. Maybe the track doesn't like me, or maybe I tr- struggle with the track. But when it it didn't matter so much. I think it mattered for him more to be really in his happy place. If he was there and the car was doing what he wanted and expected, it was it was it was it, it was impressive to see. Um, Obviously, um, you know, spending the year, I think they've been, all been all been challenging and, and um, different in, in, and special in their ways. Um, yeah. I think Charles has been something special, just the amount of talent um, and how he manages in, in one lapis in particular and qualifying to squeeze um, pace out of himself, the car uh, was nice to see, so yeah lots of i think it's it's not fair to drop probably one of the of the teammates i had daniel obviously had a mega year in 2014 and yeah maybe i was too upset with uh you know not being in the position as 2013 and um difference in in cars and generation and so on but um yeah the truth is he outperformed me for some of uh you know the races with uh, quite a big margin and I ran out of solutions. Those are the moments that are not very happy, but I learned probably to sort of yeah, channel my anger <laughs> and being upset feeling into something positive.
0: I can't believe we haven't talked about Kimi Raikkonen yet.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I didn't mean to, to uh, uh, leave him out. I think Kimi is actually the biggest natural talent I've come across ever. Just in terms of raw speed, I think... Um, and it shows in the car, obviously, but it shows also in any other form of car. I think switching, if, it, if there was a discipline of switching cars every day, after 10 days, Kimi will be lapping everybody else, just because it's just its just a natural, it doesn't, doesn't take time to adapt to the car, to what the car requires, you give him a steering wheel and he knows what to do, that's the sort of pressure. Sometimes you feel it's unfair, you need to get used to first and you know, get an idea of the track or the conditions and for him it just,
0: boom. Did that make him infuriating as a teammate?
1: Um, no, because I, I, I think with him I probably had the best relationship uh, out of all the teammates I had because he was just so straightforward. There was never an argument if we crashed into each other we talked about it, fixed like what happened, maybe laughed about it. Um, it was my mistake, it was his mistake. But then there was never a question that anything could sort of, yeah, shake up or, or destabilize the, the, I don't want to say bond, but the relationship that we, we had. And he's been probably the also the one, when I came in, I remember he was so respectful from the day I walked in, you know, looking into my eyes. Um, where with other drivers, I felt, okay, I'm shaking hands and I'm saying hello, but actually the guy is not, not present, uh, is not here. So with people, I think Kimi's been exceptional.
0: And all good with Kimi, even after that turn one crash at Singapore. Oh
1: yeah, it was not a, it was, n- no, not a, not a problem. I think we never got upset with, uh, with each other. Um, like I said, because we just talked about it and.
0: What about Mark Webber? I always felt that was quite a spiky relationship and and the first thing that comes to mind is multi-21 Seb in 2013 in Malaysia.
1: Well, I mean, now there's a bit of time and uh, uh, time that has passed. Look, I think Red Bull started to become a team where you could actually achieve something. Um, Mark was a huge uh, contributor to that. And when it came together, then, you know, it was in the end, our sport is great, but only one guy can win. I wanted to win, he wanted to win. So yeah, ultimately somebody had to uh, had to um, come second. So um, I think that's just, a, it was just the rivalry. And uh, probably, you know, we were at very different stages in our career. I didn't look at much else. And maybe here and there didn't have the maturity to Um, look at you know a bigger picture sort of thing but i think we always got on Um, it got more intense because the rivalry was just there and it was you know clear that we can win in our car and like i said only one guy can win but uh, i think the fact that we always had a good relationship even in difficult times brought us together in the end again and today i think we are really good with each other
0: we've talked about best wins and you you picked win number one monza 2008 but I want to ask you about China 2009. In terms of a weekend performance by Sebastian Vettel, you had an issue in qualifying, had just the one lap to get it done. Pole position, you win the race in dreadful rain and everything else. That's got to be right up there.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a good weekend. but um,
0: Red Bull's first as well.
1: Red Bull's first, yes. Um, We had a 1-2 as well. So... um, Yeah, great memories. I cut my finger, actually, on the trophy. I remember that. There's still a little bit of blood on the trophy. Yeah, it was an incredible weekend qualifying. You're right, just that one run or just that one lap in every segment because he had an issue with the drive shaft seal. So, yeah, I think it's not fair to just highlight a few, but for sure, looking back, there have been a couple because of the circumstances as well that have been exceptional.
0: I know you say you don't know what you're going to do next, but when I think of you in Formula One, I think of you and Red Bull. That's what stands out. That's where the titles were. That's where the wins were. Helmut Marco turns 80 next year. Could you ever envisage a day where you become their motorsport director, if that's the right word? Would you like to sort of give something back to Red Bull in that way?
1: Well, obviously, uh, it's been a very, very difficult year um, in this regard, with the passing of uh, Dietrich only um, a short time ago. So, um, I I don't know. I think for me, I'm happy to go into the unknown. And like I said, it's a bit about, um, you know, not being selfish, but about self-discovery, because obviously, I have the racing me that I know really well, and... I had the racing environment that gave me a home for so long, but also gave me a schedule, gave me a rhythm, gave me so much to hold on to. And now I think I feel I'm ready to get out and uh, learn about myself. Obviously, um, you know, the, the day I decided to have children, I think uh, part of my life, um, I was happy to give to my children. And I don't feel that's a loss. I think that's a massive win. And I look forward to, to that side. Um, but for sure, it, like I said, I don't want to live the life of my children. I think it's important that I find something together with my wife. She finds something. I support her. We will see what, uh, what time, time will bring. But um, for sure, I'll have to find something that consumes me and, uh, um, and gives me uh, something to hold on to and, and probably also something to outlive or not outlive... Um, Live my ambition and my my drive that obviously I have. I'm a bit mad and I'm a bit uh, insane sometimes. So um, yeah, I need to find a, a place to to do that. But it might be racing in an, in a different form. I don't know. It might be something completely
0: different. Ah, so you you might not hang up your helmet. You're just saying goodbye to Formula One.
1: No, I. I I, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, maybe after a year I feel like I, I need to get back in a car. I don't know if it's a Formula One car or any other car, but um, I feel that there's also so much more to life and other things that I would love to, to explore. And then really only I feel by trying out and experimenting, I'll be exploring really, I'll be able to to find something. I can make a long list now and say, this is what I would like most, but then I don't know if it will fulfill me so I think I need to be open and open-minded but yeah whether it's racing racing in a different form that means not in the cockpit but outside the cockpit like what you mentioned working with a driver some drivers young drivers I don't know could be but it could as well be something completely different and that's cool as well so we'll see obviously I have passions outside of Formula One I'm very much passionate about uh, the future future of our planet and the uh, future of humanity, in terms of um, you know, being concerned where we are, uh, the climate crisis and the threat to future generations so um, yeah i 'm very interested in and solution orientated maybe that 's because of hanging around with so many engineers for so long trying to fix and find solutions uh, to, to make uh, the world a better place i 'm not going to change the world myself, but I think if we all start with little steps and headed, head, heading in the right direction. Um, that's a, not just a start. I think it's a necessity. And it's only just fair for those kids that are now 20, 24, racing in Formula 1 because they want to keep racing as long as I did. The kids that are now in go-karts that dream about Formula 1 that maybe might be in Formula 1 one day, um, having the, the opportunity to do so. And uh, I hope that Formula 1 can be change of the... You know, part of the uh, solution for future paths to go down. So yeah, many many interests and many thoughts that I have. And like I said, I want to give those more more room.
0: So Abu Dhabi is not a sad occasion for you. It's an exciting occasion.
1: Yeah, that's the that's more how I see it. I don't know if I'll be in tears and all uh, break down, but um, I I don't know. It maybe it sounds. Strange, but I thought about this so much, and it feels so right, that I'm not scared of Abu Dhabi, and I'm looking forward to it, and looking forward to what's coming after. I know the adrenaline rush will be different, very different, and will be gone. The excitement of driving in places like Suzuka, pushing myself in the car to the limit, and feeling the forces Will be gone and that makes me sad but again it's a trade for something different and something very exciting potentially i need to find out but that's how i how i feel
0: so how do you want people to remember you sebastian vettel the formula one driver
1: i i'm I'm up to all these people i mean it was such a a crazy time in a positive way with the support and the passion from the fans as well. You know, we talk about the passionate people inside Formula One, but fans make this sport what it really is. We had this weird life experiment with COVID during the pandemic. Nobody on the grandstand just felt wrong, just felt empty. We were racing, racing for points, racing for trophies, but it seemed like nobody cared. I mean, obviously people on television were following but you don't see them, um, so uh, I really miss that and it's great to have the people back. It's what made this whole experience, Formula One, so unique, so I will miss that. I will miss the excitement, I will miss the, the people, their little messages, their you know, uh, attention. But again, you know, there's only so much time we all have, I feel, and I feel ready to move on. Um, how these people will should remember me i don't know i think it's you know the next generation is already there so plenty of other drivers to sort of root for i don't i don't know i i don't feel i want to be or need to be remembered not that everything i did was irrelevant but just uh, because it's you know there's always Tomorrow, maybe it's this, uh, like I said, this side of me that is always looking forward to the next thing that hinders me sometimes to enjoy the present, but uh, I think it's up to people. I think I've always tried to be fair. I've always tried to be kind to people. Now they can remember how many races I've won, um, have won, or championships, but I think I'd rather be remembered. You know, that I've been kind, attentive and just me. If they, you know, enjoyed that or liked that, that's fine. And if it inspired people along the way, you know, I received so much and having so much fun in all these years. If that has given something to people that's satisfying enough, I don't need to be remembered with a banner or with, you know, paroles that people are uh, are using every time they go through a certain corner or to a certain place, if you see what I mean. I don't know if it makes sense, but that's how I feel.
0: Of course, it makes sense. And Sebastian, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time and you will be greatly missed.
1: Thank you. I'll miss parts of it as well, for sure. But um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, there's um, always something waiting around the next corner.
0: You just know that there's going to be plenty around the next corner for Sebastian. He's a very special, very talented man, and the world is quite literally his oyster. Like many of you, I'm intrigued to see what he does next. And as for the conversation you've just listened to, I enjoyed every second of it. I felt the mask that all drivers have to varying degrees slip down a little and he said many things that I'd never heard him say before, especially about his wife, which I found to be incredibly moving. Sebastian, thank you for your time, and not just for this interview, but over the past 17 years. The sport is going to miss you a lot, and good luck with whatever comes next. Now it's over to you at home. Please send in your thoughts and stories about Sebastian, and I'll read out some of them at the end of next week's show. I'm intrigued to know what it is about Seb that caught your attention the most send your messages to me at tom Clarkson f1 on twitter or use the hashtag f1 beyond the grid which of course brings me on to what you sent in about danica patrick after last week's show what an inspirational woman she is let's start with this from janelle adamite i'm a fellow beloit native and i met danica at the rockford speedway during her karting days when i was close to five years old I've looked up to her ever since for being a force within a primarily male environment, and I got into watching motorsports because of her. Well, what an incredible story, Janelle. Influences start young, don't they? And Danica is certainly a force. Next, let's go to Chris LLB. Danica is actually my racing hero. She took on the very best and beat a lot of them most of the time. Truly iconic Would have loved to hear her talk about her drama with the Petty family, though. Chris, maybe her take on the Petties is one for part two. I love the fact that she's your racing hero, and you are not alone in thinking that. And what about this from Kenna Edwards? Danica is my ultimate idol. I was in the stands listening to her radio in 2005 at the Indy 500 as a little kid, begging the universe to let her win. She was my inspiration when I was karting and continues to inspire me every day in my own career as a woman in motorsports. Kenna, I love that story and thank you for sending in the pics as well. And good luck with life at Ganassi. Finally, let's hear this from KJS. Thanks for a very enjoyable podcast, TC. I follow Danica's racing career and I'm a big fan. Her talent, determination and trailblazing achievements will be admired more and more as time goes by. Her Sky commentary work is very enjoyable and I hope she's in Melbourne in 2023. Well, good to hear from you, KJS. And I'm glad you enjoyed hearing from Danica almost as much as I did. She was great, wasn't she? Well, thanks to everyone who wrote in. And I'm sorry if I haven't had time to read out your messages here. And please remember to get in touch with your thoughts about Sebastian in time for next week's show. Now, if you're new to F1B on the grid, please scroll through the back catalogue for in-depth interviews with drivers, champions, technical geniuses, engineering legends and team bosses from every era of the sport. There are some more great interviews lined up between now and the end of 2022, so please hit the follow button so you don't miss them. And if you'd like to leave us a rating or a review, I'd be very grateful. Thanks for listening. F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.